Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 109. My name is NBZ, and we're fully into 2018. Gears have been engaged, cars, engines are revving, it's still kind of snowing. It was snowing outside today, again, uh, so the year will continue to be cold, but uh, how are you doing, Bally? I'm very good, NBZ. Uh, no snow over here in Brussels. Unfortunate, unfortunate. It's uh, It's one of those things that it tends to actually happen closer to february uh, it seems like that's actually the coldest time of the year even though there's this weird thing where it's like december should be like when it's coldest and when winter is happening it feels the most wintry mm. and it's like no that's the planet is like no that's not the case that's not what apparently in the happens. u.s there's like loads of snow in areas that are really not used to snow like lots of the southern yeah. states and things and hey man so, global so hopefully warming if you're thing. listening uh you're, you're you're safe in the southern states of america and uh, listening to our show yeah, I wish you the best. Um, yeah, yeah, people just being snowed in and not able to get into work and all that stuff. It's uh, it's bad times. Uh, but uh, hey, that what does that mean? It means you're stuck inside, able to play some video games, video hey, games. which is uh, what this podcast is about. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Bali, what are we going to be talking about in today's show? For our first segment, we will be talking about what we have been playing. Our second segment, as usual, will be emails. And for our third segment, there's been quite a lot of news recently. So we're going to do a bit of a news roundup in our third segment. Yeah, Nintendo just dropping bombs left, right and centre. Uh, some nuclear, some uh, not so. But uh, there's definitely a lot to discuss. Uh, and uh, yeah, 2018 is going to be an interesting year for sure. Uh, so let's kick things off then with some video games. Bali, you've entered platforming heaven. You've decided uh, to play two you... <laughs> games that I hold in incredibly high regard, and it makes me very happy. You've been pestering me for years to play these games. Uh, not, both of them actually came out originally in 2010. I think yeah. you you played you played VVVVVV in mm-hmm. 2013. I don't remember. Near near the start of the 3DS. There's this this few years before the podcast where I was playing a lot of games, but I wasn't like chronicling them in the same way that I do now. So there is a bit of a kind of blurred mess in my mind. But sure, we'll say that. And then Meat Boy, you probably played during that same time as well, didn't you? Uh, Meat Boy was one of the first games I played when I got my PC. Uh, right. I built my PC, not well, didn't build it, but I ordered my PC, got it, and w- downloaded Steam. One of the first things I bought in my first Steam sale for like a pound fifty was Super Meat Boy. I was actually saying that on Twitter the other day. Is like, I mean, it's cool that all these Switch ports are coming out, but Steam has really ruined me in terms of pricing because all these games that are old that came out and I bought years ago for like absurdly low prices are now full price on the Switch eShop, uh, and it makes it hard for me to justify like buying them again. Because I'm like, I paid a pittance for that back in the day yeah. like four years ago uh so but now so, you yeah. can do it portably yeah it's true is there great. is an added benefit um, but but yeah so the first game i'm going to talk about is vvvvvv that should be six v's if i've mm-hmm. mis- said it um yeah like i said been meaning to play this quite a long time uh i just really wanted to play something a bit short uh on my switch you also played this without telling me at all and yeah. then you're like oh by the way i played this game and beat it and you didn't know I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck Molly? you never do that yeah i checked how long to beat and i was like oh it's like two and a half hours to beat the whole thing so i thought yeah let's just do that um the first thing that strikes me out strikes me about this game is how old this game looks like they're going for such a retro pc style it's like it's beyond it's the oldest looking game i think i've ever played in terms of like just that style it's it's very it's not even it's even 8-bit i don't even know what it is honestly um it's it's definitely a different type of 
um, aesthetic. It's not necessarily leaning into the Nintendo like old school NES days. It it is definitely more a PC kind of uh, visual look. It's going for for sure. It, it almost feels like those. Um, kind of ascii text games that you see sometimes in some senses but it is definitely more colorful like that and there's more like there's more to it than that i think yeah um so this is a 2d platformer and actually it has no jump uh instead of jumping you actually flip gravity so your little character will just basically zoom from the floor to the ceiling just at the click of a button uh and initially, like, the, the whole world is actually a Metroidvania-style platforming world. Uh, originally, I really didn't like the idea that this was going to be Metroidvania, and I thought, God, I'm going to have an absolute nightmare trying to find... So you, you have to find six characters. You're one of the characters, so I guess you're finding five characters, uh, all, all of which their names begin with the letter V, uh, and they're spread throughout this Metroidvania world. And I thought that I would end up really struggling to find the last character but the way that the map fills in uh clearly shows you where you've been and where you've not been so you can actually work out pretty easily uh where to go next uh, so by the end of the game that that aspect really didn't bother me and it was actually just a really interesting way of designing designing this world uh one of the famous levels in this game and i say level it's like a section i should say uh is called vidi vini vici Vini Vidi Vici? Vini Vidi Vici. Vini Vidi Vici. I almost got it. Uh, and I actually found this within the first 20 minutes of playing. Uh, and I kind of knew what it was. I actually thought vaguely that it was something you had to do. It actually is something you don't have to do. It's just for one of the 20 collectibles in the game. Uh, and what's the best way of describing this level? You're essentially flipping gravity once... Uh, guiding your character falling upwards through about six rooms avoiding spikes Uh, you're then hitting a disintegrating platform once after you've fallen through six rooms and you have to fall back the other way uh, all in order to cross over like a really small circle that's just lying in front of your character uh, and ensuring that you flip all the way up hit off the ceiling and flip all the way back down and fall to the right of this little log that's essentially in your way. Um, it's funny because you can't jump. It's like this obstacle that for Mario would be a pittance, and yet yeah. you have to. The only way you can get it is by flipping gravity, going right. through this absurd gauntlet, and then flipping gravity again to get back down to the bottom. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. And it really is an absurd gauntlet. Like, this might be the toughest thing I've ever done in a video game, uh, maybe. Uh, it took me about 45 minutes to beat, and I, I'm worried that Caroline thought I was going insane, like, trying to beat it, and <laughs> it was... I was kind of... It's kind of one of those muscle memory things where, in between rounds, I was trying to move my body so little that I'd get the maximum benefit of muscle memory and, the, the, like, the feeling of my body sitting in the, at that exact angle in order to... <laughs> wow. to, to like, it, it was a weird state of mind to be in. Uh, and I, it's not one I enjoy getting in very often, but sometimes, you know, you just got to bang your head up against that brick wall and just do it. Uh, and I did it, and it was a great feeling. So, yeah, there you go. But uh, the downside of doing this 20 minutes into the game was that the rest of the game felt pretty easy right. uh, in comparison, uh, which was actually quite nice because I found the rest of the game actually fairly relaxing when really it probably should have been a lot more 
it should have felt a lot more challenging. It still was very challenge- challenging the rest of the game. Uh, I guess that's kind of the pitfall when you design more of an open structure because there's no uh, like set order that you have to go and collect all these characters yeah. in. You can kind of go wherever you want. And uh, you were talking to me about the map and how you didn't like it originally. I'm like, well, like I like it a lot because it's filling in squares, and that's one of the reasons I like oh, Metroidvanias <laughs> is because I just like filling in squares, you know. And I like, get, I could just get you some graph paper and some dude crayons. You don't even know, <laughs> like. Back in the day when we were younger, I used to, you know, those fucking massive art books of like different shapes and shit. I used to color those in for days and days. I was fucking oh. obsessed with that stuff. Um, yeah, I used to be really into. It. I don't know. There's something to me that appeals about just filling in spaces. Uh, and a good mark of any Metroidvania for me is like how satisfying it feels to just fill spaces. Would, in. It, would it kill you on the inside if I told you that there were large sections of the map yes. I didn't fill in? Yes. By the end don't of this game. don't even bring that up into my brain. I don't <laughs> want to hear it. No, that sounds awful um so yeah the, like the level design is fantastic some of the uh the my favorites were this mechanic where it's this it's this string essentially that uh yeah. flips gravity for you just by hitting off it uh so you're essentially just rebounding right it forces you to basically bounce off of it you can't stand right. on it it's not a platform it's just like uh it's like you're bouncing between two elastic bands almost yeah know? uh and there's like moving shapes and things you have to dodge and all sorts of things that i thought were actually really enjoyable uh generally you're just avoiding spikes and enemies a lot of the time there's some like really kind of light humor jokes in there like with uh random words just enemies that are made up of words and really strange stuff it's hard to describe but uh some of that was quite fun there's a there's sort of like a I described it as escort mission, but you weren't happy when I described it as the semi dead. But it's essentially no. you're guiding another one of the characters who will follow you when your gravity is on the same plane as theirs. But when you're on the opposite plane, they don't follow you. So it's all about sort of coaxing them through uh, a maze like uh, level, essentially trying it's to. It's just a different type of puzzle solving, really, disguised it's, it's, as an yeah, escort it, mission. It, it really stood out versus the other levels. I didn't like it as much as the other, the other levels, but I mean, it, it's nice to mix up what you're actually doing in this game. So it's not all bad. Uh, some auto-scrolling sections as well. I like the one that scrolls uh, f- upward, I think it is. It's, yeah, it's yeah. There's like stuff there. there's auto-scrolling. There's the, the reflecting strings we've talked about. There's mm-hmm. the escort star mission. that, that It mixes it up, which is really fresh. Uh, and Because like, it is essentially a one-button game. Like You are yeah. moving left and right and pressing one button, and they get exactly. a lot of mileage out of that stuff for sure. It really is. And it literally is just left and right. There's like zero controls of up and down because that's all controlled by the gravity. Uh, there's there's literally nothing, which is quite unique amongst modern platformers. I don't think there's anything else that quite does it that, that abruptly. Uh, so the big thing that we've not talked about yet, which is hard to talk about on a podcast, but is one of the best parts of this game is the soundtrack. Uh, you've yeah, been at boy. me for ages, MBZ, saying... Bally is like the best soundtrack ever. You've never, you've never listened to it. You need to play this game. You need to enjoy the soundtrack. And I am convert. I'm, I am a convert. Like yes. I really enjoyed the soundtrack. Uh, and there's some amazing remixes on YouTube of all sorts of things. I highly recommend. 
uh what's his name the, the family guitar. jewels family jewels does an incredible uh seven minute guitar medley of uh the i love medleys medleys are one of my favorite things to look up on youtube right. i remember when i found uh this girl who did a panic at the disco and a green day medley and i lost my mind uh <laughs> she was like an incredible singer and like she was like on piano like riffing these medleys through all my favorite songs of, of those bands uh it was so good um so i'm always naturally attracted to like taking all of the good songs and smushing them together into this yeah. one thing um so yeah that medley is amazing the game's only two and a half hours it was a joy from start to finish uh maybe i shouldn't have invested 45 minutes in the the really tough vidi vidi i can't even say it vini vidi vidi it's a famous vidi. latin phrase valley freaking <laughs> of course about julius of course caesar and nonsense so maybe I should have, uh, maybe I could have avoided that level, but I just knew it was such a famous level that I really wanted to to do it and say that I'd done it. So I can. And now you can say that you came, you saw, and you conquered. I, uh, I've as done the it. Latin phrase means exactly. Uh, so there you go. Um, so that was one game. I'd highly recommend it if it's, I think it's like eight ninety nine on the mm-hmm. Switch eShop, which is way overpriced for a game that came out in twenty ten. I can't defend that. Uh, right, but, but but there is also a lot more extra content on it. As as with the three DS version, I believe all those bonus levels that were made by various developers right. are available there. Like you can go through a ton of crazy different stages. And uh that was when the three DS was new and there wasn't a lot coming out digitally, I played that game a lot because uh it had so much extra stuff in there. Um so yeah if you want something more out of it there is more more there and the other game that i've been playing uh that i mentioned at the start is super meat boy uh, which has just come out on the nintendo switch uh, one might say an indie classic at this point in time an indie classic uh, and we were actually sent a review code uh for yes, this game. yes so, we so that was great to to receive um I'm just going to put this out there before we move on to anything else about this game. I just do not like the whole idea of like being a a, a bloody chunk of meat. <laughs> you were telling like, me this, and I was like, I don't know. I just never thought about it before. It's like whatever. It, yeah, I th- I kind of think it's cool that you can paint the walls with yourself. I don't sure, know, and I definitely detach myself from it the more I've played it because it it really doesn't matter. The story no. is zany and pointless and whatever. And and, it, and maybe call me a sicko, but I like the weird juicy sounds it makes. It, it yeah, works and for me. I like it. It's kind of maybe it's growing on me in the idea that. If you threw a slab of meat at a wall, it would slide down at the same rate that the physics. It's so good, though. Yeah. So maybe that is kind of cool, but like it just still grosses me out a bit, and uh, <laughs> it's a bit weird. Anyway, like style and artwork aside, and the art is actually very good. Like it's it's, it's it works well. Uh, I just don't like the idea at all. Uh, but the platforming, which is what this game is about, feels incredible. Uh, this is and this is platforming in the way that in my head I envisage my ideal 2d platform would be it's a menu with levels you click the level you do the level and you go back to the menu well you don't actually go back to the menu it just brings you on to the next level but my point is that the levels are segmented it's very clear uh clear cut and very pure just platforming uh and very bite-sized actually is me very bright bite-sized uh and what's unique is that meat boy has so much control when you're in the air so obviously there's like a sprint button which i think almost all the platformers i play these ga- these days have sprint buttons and it in this game specifically it changes the um, distance you're jumping tremendously even when that's like wall jumping or uh uh just general jumping in this game in, in overall and it's it feels so 
it, it really feels like it changes the gravity when you're not sprinting uh to like you have you essentially have two different types of jumps you've got your sprint jump and your regular jump and there are mm. actually moments where you're not meant to sprint you're meant to sort of walk up to to obstacles and jump over them normally maybe that was why i was having a bit of trouble because i actually went back to this game uh, now that you're playing it to like refresh myself and to yeah. get back into on pc and uh it felt so different from how i remember and maybe it's because i'm constantly holding down the sprint button that i feel like i'm a little bit out of control uh, of sorts uh, at certain times because uh, i don't think you're like you're super meant to do that but i also remember when i played it that i was holding down the sprint button most of the time uh so i don't know it's a little weird because he, fe- he he feels a little bit less um controllable than i have in my mind's eye uh, for, i mean i do reason. think all the levels are designed where you can beat the whole level while holding the sprint button because yes. like that's how you receive like the a plus grade for exactly each level and, and, and like on that point because i was i went back and was trying to a plus a bunch of levels because uh, you get you have like dark world versions of every level which are much right. harder versions and you can only get them if you do it in, in a fast time and i was really noticing how the level design was built for like very quick like precise wall jumps that would lead you down this certain path to get you directly there as soon as possible Uh, so the level design is very much thought of uh, as having two ways to do it like you have a shorter or a much faster way to do it and a much kind of more meandering way to do it but i mean the the two quirky things i really like about this game are one and this is something vvvvv actually also does is the instant restart it makes such yes. a big difference when... I don't, have you played a platformer in this style before where you have an instant restart because it feels like you're just doing two of these back to back where you haven't don't think so yeah these are probably the first two and I, I, it's funny that i play them back to back uh yeah. it makes such a big difference uh because like i'll put on a podcast and play this game and the first thing i do when i die is i want to i want to try that jump again like I, I need to try that moment again and it's it's to do with the muscle memory as well like you want to play it again while your brain is in the setup in order to play that level like you, right. if you come back to it some of the tougher levels can be incredibly tough and even like what you've said is they're trying it out again after all these years like it feels a bit different yeah i i jumped back into like the end of the game and i was like nope 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 i can't i need to like refresh <laughs> myself so that's why i went back and played some older levels to, like refresh myself on how it feels and everything because it is it's very much like a bit trip runner 2 because that's a game that i would argue definitely has the, the instant uh the instant uh restart I, I don't know how instant they are but it's definitely fast it, it's like it's instant with the next beat i feel like i think it's like sure. on a timer where the music doesn't change on bit trip run as in the beat won't change but right. you will only be able to come in on the next beat so it's okay sort of yeah not quite instant you're right but uh it feels a lot like that in many ways um i do think that I probably won't do all the extra levels. I'm keen. I'm in the fifth world out of, I believe, six or seven. Yeah, I think um, there are six main ones. The seventh one is a bonus one, which I haven't got through myself. Right. So I'll probably just do the six main ones. They're like, I've reached some hidden sort of retro style. Yeah, areas yeah. I just, they're like wormholes that you go into and they're like really difficult. Yeah, they're weird. And sometimes they've really annoyed me because I've gone into them by accident when I've been quite far through another level. And right, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, don't wanna, I can't be bothered with this. So like, I don't really want to do those extra levels necessarily. And as you said, there's sort of like a, a bandage girl world or dark world. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know if I've got the the energy for all that, but I'd like to beat the main game. Like I, even I didn't do that. You know, like I've, I'm only going back to it now because I'm like I want to play some more Meat Boy. And the thing I like about leaving that stuff open is I always know I'll have more Meat Boy to play at some point in my life. I kind of right. leave it there because I want some new stuff eventually, and I don't know. I don't know that this new Meat Boy game is going to give me the same uh, stuff that I got from the first one. I don't know if a second one, proper sequel, will ever be made. So it's kind of right. like one of my precious like favorite platformers. I don't want to complete things i want to keep coming back to it years and years down the line uh, yeah weirdly in that way um the other point i i said there was two points i like to ask again the first point i already said with the instant restarts the other point was the uh the replays of yeah, all, your, all your attempts uh, through the levels so you might attempt a level 50 times and then when you finally complete it you'll see all 50 of your attempts running at the same time yep in the replay and it's great it looks so cool like just seeing all these I, and i love aspects like that in video games like i love in pikmin 3 when you can rewatch the day uh, right. and look at how your pikmin all ran throughout the day and it sped up or when we're playing like uh, nintendo land uh-huh. and you're you're doing the mario chase mini game and at the end of the game you actually watch the route that everyone took and like, i love aspects like that the, the top down view of it right the top down view so I just think little replays like that that are sped up in games, like they, there's something about that where it's sort of essentially it's like it's like just collecting data and then showing you the data in a different way. Mm-hmm. I just find it very satisfying. I don't know. If- yeah, it's really cool. Like, and the way that it happens in Meat Boy is like there's this enormous cluster at the start, and then by the end, it's like these few or these couple. That- there's like four of them, and there you go. Oh, for three, yep. two, one. Okay, the one made it. It's like well yes. done. And then yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, I'm having a great time with it. Uh, I don't know which I prefer out of the two two of these games at the moment. And uh, yeah, they're I'll, really good. I'll, I'll finish up Meat Boy for next time, uh, and maybe have a decision to make on which I prefer then. But well, at the end of the year, you're gonna have to, I guess, make a decision right. Exactly. So eventually. these are both in my um, in my games of the year. Didn't come out this year, uh, probably. So we'll see. MBZ. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I have been, as you've been playing two hardcore 2D platformers, I've been trying to play, and I, I stress the word trying to play, two first-person shooters. Um, I said last time I was going to play the original Half-Life, which was all a road laid with great intentions. Uh, turns out, guys, uh, it's an old PC game and it doesn't have very good FOV settings or it doesn't have anything. Well, I guess apparently I can go into the source engine and change stuff like from the like doing within the menu and finding some like hacky way of changing things that so that my settings are better. I'll look into a way to do that. Anyway, my point is it makes me feel motion sick uh, like a lot of first person games. And uh, someone on Twitter actually brought it up that I think it's because Gordon Freeman, the main character, is also very slidey. Like, he slips around a lot. He's not a very stable character. So every time you move and you stop, he kind of slides a little bit, which contributes to that feeling of unease and and motion sickness that I get sometimes in games. Um, And it's a real bummer, because I was for the most part like kind of enjoying going through this game uh there's a lot of interesting things that happen that you can see like the dna for like games to come and things that it was doing that were unique at the time like walking past npcs as they kind of talk and they deliver dialogue to you without um 
you having to enter a cutscene, like naturalistic in-game storytelling as opposed mm. to cutscene gameplay, cutscene gameplay. Um, and so like you're going down at this science facility and there are scientists everywhere and you're like, you'll hear, the audio is balanced so that you um, can hear it like surround sound. Like if you're closer to them or further away from them, it'll change as you move towards and, and away. Uh, and every time Gordon moves, the scientists will move their head. So they'll like, basically be looking at the player as they uh in real time go around them so it's it definitely you can see like these ideas that at the time were clearly mind-boggling uh that led to like later games and then how they were what year was this game originally i don't know i i think like late 90s early 2000s something right. along those lines um but yeah it's, it's half-life series is generally credited as being like this uh kind of footprint of narrative first person game uh that uh kind of laid the path for, for a lot of things to come and uh it's so far in terms of like combat mechanics and stuff it's not been mind-blowing it's uh you know it's i've always heard about head crabs which are these tiny little enemies that try and they jump up that called head crabs because they try and attach themselves to your head they're like uh what do you call them things from alien um i can't remember what those are called or uh, metroids but, uh, they or metroids right i guess in any media this kind of alien type species is always um pervasive like the idea of the head and, and i'm sure there are some very interesting essays written about the body and then kind of bringing me back to my fucking is it quite horrorish then i didn't think that was your thing a little bit yeah it's a it little just bit too but... old to be quite intimidating <laughs> exactly exactly that's the kind of thing because i actually when i was at university i watched the shining for the first time which a lot of people like, like oh it's such a scary film i'm like when i watched it i was afraid because i didn't want to really uh but it was okay it wasn't so i feel so anxious watching something like that exactly yeah i was okay a lot of it is tension but a lot of it is also it's an old movie so there's an artifice to it that i can kind of see through and it's similar with half-life where it's like there is actually some really good like music and tension and sound design stuff going on that gives that horror vibe to some degree but also like you can see the polygons on this alien you know it's it's really not that frightening um and it it is kind of it's pretty difficult more challenging like i put it on easy and i actually died a couple of times still I'm, oh, maybe geez. it's just like old first person shooters were just more like that but um like your main uh, weapon you start off is a pipe so you're just like smacking these aliens with a pipe uh and that's it's it's it feels a little bit mashy to some degree like the combat doesn't feel great it's they will like you can see the animation of them stretching their arms out to slash at you so you just move away let them slash move in slam them on the head with a pipe a few times move away slam them on the head you know it's kind of this repeated uh mechanism you go through again and again and uh it was getting interesting but also i was feeling sick and i was like i don't know if i have the bandwidth to go through this 12 hour game which apparently is how long it is it's uh, quite long actually i guess yeah i i do want to go back to it. i do want to mess around with the fov setting see if that changes anything see if i can find some Maybe way to play make like it. one hour a week or something for the next 12 uh, yeah. weeks and you'll get and, there and honestly like valve games maybe have this problem with me because portal 2 was a game that i had to play in one hour increments otherwise i'd feel motion sick but portal 2 is such a fucking good game that i really had to push myself through like it's a very short game as well yeah well i don't know portal, the original portal is very short portal 2 is longer it's more like a seven eight hour game okay. but um but it definitely was one of those things where i couldn't do it all in one stretch it would have um it just wrestled with my my motion sickness too much uh, which is unfortunate um but 
again like i i the thing that i think i've gotten out of it already which i think is maybe the most important is seeing why this game is so revered and seeing why people hold it up um uh, and and what it did for the medium back then Mm. uh and it's good to get that context at the very least even if i never finish it i'm glad i have the context um so the other first-person shooter that I have been playing is a game that I, a lot of people probably have never heard of. Um, it's a game that came out quite a few years ago, and it's kind of a lower-budget title that uh, you know wasn't not this big AAA thing. But it uh, it was developed by Techland, who made Dying Light a couple of years back, got uh, good reviews. That kind of open-world zombie survival game um, that people really enjoyed, uh, and. It's published by Ubisoft. It's called Call of Juarez Gunslinger. I think Call of Juarez is like a series or a sub-series that Ubisoft has been in control of. Um, And this is a Western first-person shooter. Um, And it has a lot of really interesting, unique things about it. So the aesthetic is very comic book. um, And it's told... uh, The framework of it is this, uh, this cowboy walks into this bar... And he is telling a group of strangers a story about all the exploits he's done in his life and all the famous um, people from the Old West that he's had encounters with. Um, And I think it's very fictionalized in terms of the timeline because he's bringing up all these people like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and... um, Billy the Kid, I guess. They all have kids in their names, these these cowboys. Um, And... I don't know. You'll recognize these names. It's one of those weird things about Western uh, and pop culture is that everyone for some reason knows the names of all these cowboys and i don't know how that permeates culture but for whatever reason i knew the name of all these famous cowboys oh. uh, and, and western figures don't think i could um, name a cowboy to be honest you've never heard of butch cassidy and the sundance kid or billy the kid or any of this stuff Maybe. before really because it's just it's one of those things i don't know i've just picked up generally from pop culture um, right but i don't know that they all existed at the same period of time and yet there's this one character who is basically going and killing them all essentially uh, as he goes through the old west um uh, and so the really interesting part of this game and why i was so curious about it back in the day because i watched a, i think it was total biscuit who did a video when he was um you know uh, looking at all these games on steam and stuff and i was watching a lot of his stuff back then uh it, to, in terms of narrative the story being told is him at the bar and you hear people interjecting and cutting in and so what happens is sometimes he will say something that someone will call him out on and say hey that's not how i heard it happened and he'll be like oh well actually this happened uh, so an easy example is he was like oh, i was being attacked by the apaches and they're up on the hill and all this and the, the guy's like hey i don't think that happened he's like well no really it was just some some of this this uh, dude's henchmen it wasn't actually apaches and so it rewinds the scene and all of a sudden instead of apaches you're fighting up on the hill you're fighting a bunch of different cowboy guys instead so it reworks the gameplay depending on what happens in the narrative that is being told um and there's some really cool moments like there's one moment where you're running down this mine shaft and it's really epic and you're like gunning people down uh, and you jump out the other side and it goes into slow-mo as you just like pull off headshots on like these six dudes in a row and like you fall to the ground because an explosion happens behind you it actually starts off with a moment where you dodge a bullet and the bullet hits uh, a barrel and it kind of explodes you out of the other side and it's like this grand moment and you're like wow how did he survive that and he's like ah that was actually bullshit i was i just want to tell that as if it was a more epic uh, narrative <laughs> and then you like rewind all the way back to the beginning of the mine shaft and he goes the other direction instead hmm. um so that's really clever i think that's just such a cool thing uh that i've not seen a lot of in games before it's kind of the key um uh thing that attracted me to playing it but it's also 
pretty fun mechanically like it you can see it's more of a budget title because uh the environments aren't super different from one another and it's pretty short it's like five hours long um and most of the time you're just shooting dudes like that's just it's a first person shooter there's not a lot of other mechanics to it but the guns feel good like i like old-timey guns i like revolvers and i like uh kind of old-timey shotguns like there's a real good sound and feel and even like when you're loading the guns up like putting the cartridges in is a nice uh kind of impact and sound to it so you know coming off something like wolfenstein 2 where it's much more modern guns i mean relatively uh speaking um yeah it's a nice change uh, from that and it uh, it felt like i had to be a bit more careful about conserving ammo and uh, and that sort of thing it was um it was nice to be thrown into a different style uh, of shooting um and uh, there are a couple of interesting things that i mentioned before uh, how that mine moment was triggered by dodging a bullet there's a great mechanic in this game which is amazing for someone like me who isn't amazing at first person shooters is just when you're on death's door and you're about to be hit for your final blow and be taken down it goes into slow motion and a bullet starts coming at you and depending on where the bullet is on the screen you can either dodge left or right and if you get it wrong you'll get hit by the bullet but if you get it right you like slow-mo dodge out the way of the bullet and it gives you like another chance at life essentially like you can hide again and 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 uh, and be able to survive because it's a the health system is just regenerating so if you hide for a long time you'll just heal up naturally um so it gives you the opportunity if i fuck up which i did a lot like a lot of the time i was like slow motion dodging out the way of these bullets uh, and i was able to uh, get through the scenario um that was very helpful i think that's just such a, a smart thing for players who are less experienced and it's also really fucking cool dodging out the way of bullets is always going to be cool in any medium no matter what i'm just uh, of the opinion that that's a great thing uh, and then the other unique thing it does is its version of boss fights are basically these face-off duels where it is like an old west like face-off where you're like holding to the gun and you have to it's like um you know you the two people just standing in the middle of a, a road and they're seeing whoever pulls the gun first and gets the shot off and kills the other guy but it's interesting mechanically because you have to manage uh the two parts of your, or your two hands one hand with the mouse which is like having this circle that slowly slowly like homes in on them it's a little bit hard to move which makes sense because you're trying to like get this focus on it's a little bit laggy uh, and so it's it's difficult to like keep a keen focus on them and they're like maybe pacing back and forward a little bit so you have to follow them with your mouse and then your other hand is like moving itself closer to your gun holster and there's the, these two percentages one is focus and one is speed and you want to basically be like it's it's like tapping your head and rubbing your stomach at the same time like trying to have these two things line up perfectly so you have a good amount of speed and a good amount of uh, focus so that when the uh, the person goes to pull for their gun like you click and then you're able to get off the shot before they can um and it's really interesting i think it's it can get frustrating but there's also uh, an easy way out of it if you don't want to get like the maximum points or whatever because uh, you can there, there's an xp system where you can you know level up a little bit and stuff throughout the game it's not like super consequential but if you're not worried about those points you can dishonorably kill your opponent which means before they even touch their gun and pull it out you can just pull yours and oh, kill God. them but it, it has to get to a point where you hear your own heartbeat like it gets once you you're set up properly and you have enough high percentage you'll start hearing a heartbeat and as soon as you hear that you can basically uh, be an asshole and kill them before you're supposed to um and it will say dishonorably killed at the end it's it's uh 
it's really cool. It's such a like it's a game I've been meaning to play for so long, and I think I actually got it through a humble bundle. Um, and uh, I'm really glad I did because it's so unique and, and weird. Uh, it's called Call of Juarez Gunslinger. I know it's very not very easy to remember catchy. name. It's uh, yeah, not super catchy, but uh, I I recommend it. It's a good five hours of just uh, fun western cowboy shooting. There's something about that uh, that is appealing to me, uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. So there you go. Um, all right. Uh, I've also been playing a ton of Final Fantasy VI, which you have as well, and we will get to that uh, because uh, we're going to be discussing it in our backlog club. But for now, uh, I think that is going to wrap us up for our first segment. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after the break with your emails. everyone and welcome back to this show it is time for the second segment and that means it's time for your emails uh we need some more emails uh, as i always say uh, of course because our email address is this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com uh, send us in your questions uh and while you're at it tell us where you're from because it's it's good to know it's good to know where all the tnl listeners are from around the world i can guarantee bali will stalk you so you i'm not gonna stalk anyone it's just it's just fun to know it's fun to uh, know. But yeah it's a new year uh, let's hear from some new people that'd be great uh, send us an email so our first email is from holden m who's from the internet hello tnl is the zelda fan cycle happening to mario odyssey right now all the reviews were very positive but a lot of the nintendo podcasts i've been perusing are all really front-loading their complaints oddly enough the game odyssey is negatively being juxtaposed with 3d world a game i thoroughly enjoyed but many others lambasted as being safe I'm fine with people criticizing something they love as long as it's insightful and interesting, but in my opinion, if you're criticizing something very good, your overall inflection should be positive. Overall, I'm a little bothered by the waffling I'm perceiving at the moment. Granted, I'm aware that there exist different proponents and fan bases, and when you grease one wheel, the others start to squeak. On a tangent to my original question, what are your thoughts on the usage of comparative analysis in the realm of critique? Thanks, Holden. Very interesting question. Uh, I think maybe begin at the end here because uh, when it comes to Mario and Zelda and any Nintendo franchise, comparative analysis is just going to happen no matter what. It's kind of an inevitability and it's it's a problem because it's easy, right? Like it's one of yeah. those things that people fall into because instead of trying to look at it on its own for its own merit it has to be compared because that's what people find this thing that they can attach to uh like comparing things is natural uh and trying to critique without comparison is i think 
much harder generally yeah absolutely um, i think and that so people just kind of claw for that as they go that idea really falls into game of the year discussions when you're constantly and we've just had loads of game of the year discussions across all the podcasts i want to say i've listened to loads and yeah. what always happens is comparative discussions and rather than a lot of people saying oh this game is better than this game because this aspect is better than that aspect in this game a lot of people end up saying you know that, that that there are these weaknesses in this game that you wouldn't otherwise talk about because all most of the games of the year are some of the best reviewed games of the year obviously so right it, but a lot of flaws in some of those games that weren't really raised frequently throughout the year because people were only talking about the positives always get brought up when you're making the comparison with other games and then you're focusing a lot more on the flaws when ultimately if ultimately like you're positive on both games but you're highlighting a flaw just to put one game above another and you can i came away from giant bomb uh giant bombs game of the discussion thinking wow some people felt really salty towards a lot of really great games in that top 10 and it felt a bit weird when you know that the majority of all of those uh commentators were very positive on all those games uh just not as positive as other games perhaps Right, it's a weird thing because when you get down to the best things, that there, there has to be a way to pull them apart and make them like make your favorite be in front, and so you have to go in with a, a massive like um, cleaving knife and just try to eviscerate the competition essentially. Right. And it's I I understand like why people do it and why it's fun. I I find it very entertaining. I think it's, oh definitely, it's great. and we're, um, we're guilty of it too with our top yeah, fifty exactly. games of all time and our games right. of the year. We we definitely uh, go full hog into it. Like I didn't like shitting all over Wind Waker to try and get it to be below <laughs> Galaxy Two, but I had to do it. Like it it felt like my duty, and like I ultimately I love those games. Like I think they're both amazing games, and they should have been there, but when it comes down to like creating a stupid arbitrary list you know the opinions are going to flow um and so it is interesting that like you like i was uh watching easy allies uh, game of the year stuff and when it got down to the end like the whole time they're like you know when they talk about each of their nominees like in the top 10 they just talk about all the positives what they love and then it got came down to the final two games and the entire like hour-long conversation was just the problems with both of these games right. <laughs> um and so yeah it does it does end up happening that way um but i i feel like maybe talking more about within the franchise themselves right like having mario odyssey directly compared to 3d world uh for example um how do you feel about that how do you feel that people are dealing with odyssey right now i know i know that you recently watched joseph anderson's critique of mario odyssey Mm. like there are there are detractors uh around uh of these games how do you feel about those complaints and and how the game is being perceived now and is this just an inevitability on the internet these days is just everything's going to be critiqued because there's so many voices a game like odyssey is more unique than most i would want to say in that uh you can enjoy that game on a number of levels and the two most obvious levels i think you enjoy that game are we've said before the original 12 hour 10 hour run through of the main game where you're experiencing these new captures every you know 20 minutes half an hour and it's constantly feeling fresh versus the i'm gonna go and get it in excess of 500 600 moons and those are almost two diff- very different games in a sense and absolutely as a reviewer that job of saying is this a good game and comparing it to something like 3d world where the sort of the idea of getting all the green stars in 3D world and completing every level 
I feel like a high a higher percentage of people who um bought 3D World will go after that perhaps compared to a game like Odyssey just because it's it's quicker and easier to do than going after the 999 moons in Odyssey uh, and that's not to say that 3D World is better or worse or Odyssey is better or worse it's just you're comparing such different things that as from a review perspective it's so difficult to say what's good and what's bad and what's more enjoyable when 99% of the reviewers anyway are going to review Odyssey on its ability in that first 12 hours which I think if you want 12 hours of a video game from 2017 I don't think there's much that ever beats Odyssey across lots of games so like it's very it's very difficult to analyze that versus the longer aspect of Odyssey which you can argue like Joseph Anderson does repeatedly uh, there are some very repetitive elements of going for the 999 moons uh, that perhaps you could argue are a flaw but it's very difficult to isolate that in and of itself because most people aren't going to experience the game in that way so should that really be a fault of the game it's I'm, I'm not answering massively with a black and white answer to be honest I'm, i mean it's kind just of giving shades to. of gray sure yeah sure so i'm a bit on the fence uh, of how to how to justify how you review comparatively a game like mario odyssey yeah and it, i think that i felt both ways playing mario odyssey i was enraptured and having such an incredible like thrill ride through the main crux of that game and then i also had like the annoyance and frustration of trying to 100 percent the um the wooded kingdom uh and going insane because i couldn't find the last purple coin and having to write a map and cross things off and just literally being a crazy person we don't uh, have that bowser amiibo as a problem exactly fucking i can't believe that they didn't <laughs> let you that, that's the worst thing about that game is there's no way to like pay money to find where the purple coins are it's just it's horrible um but i I felt like the, after doing that on the Wooded Kingdom, I'm like, I, okay, I need to break from this game. Like, I, I put it down for a few <laughs> days because I'm like, otherwise, I'm gonna. That's only like the the fourth or fifth kingdom, I think, and yeah, out of the maybe fifteen in the game. Exactly, and I was like, I I need a break. I can't because it just wasn't giving me the same thing that I was getting out of the game originally. And I think that's the difference between 3D World is like, ultimately, going for those green stars. The game is still kind of the same. Like it, it the things you're doing are like a little bit off the beaten path but when you're going through mario odyssey the first time you're not finding every little nook and cranny and every little secret it's, it feels much more fluid because of that um and so when you're going back to it it's a, it's a much different experience and you have to gear your brain differently for it and i don't know there's another mario game that is quite the same uh in that sense yeah and i think that actually as a comparison 3d world and uh mario odyssey are probably the two most different 3d mario games out there they're, sure they're yeah. so different uh and i think that as long as reviewers and critics are making clear how different these games are and not just bunching them under the one umbrella of they're both 3d mario games this one's better than this one i think that you may be onto something yeah, I mean, I mean, he brings up the Zelda fan cycle, which is the theory that every time a new Zelda game comes out, it is uh, torn down and they hold up the last one as like, this was the real Zelda game. And I don't know if that's like happened that much with Breath of the Wild because a lot of people are negative about Skyward Sword, uh, which I am one of the few defenders of Skyward Sword who thinks it is a fantastic game. Um, <laughs> but there does seem to maybe be that sense happening with some people with 3d world because it is a 
more linear kind of constructed mario game as opposed to the like openness of odyssey and there are fans of both and i I enjoy both but i am one of the the weird thing with me is like galaxy is the perfect sweet spot because it is the perfect mix of mario's tool set and freedom and movement uh of the of the open games but also the linearity and like clear-cut level design of uh you know the 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 2d games to some degree Mm. um but just with more interesting perspective um so i don't know i to be honest i haven't seen a huge amount of people criticizing odyssey in that way maybe i'm not listening to the right people but um yeah i i don't i'm i agree maybe i'm listening to the wrong people but i i feel like there's with breath of the wild more so than odyssey but there's a lot of people saying this is the best zelda game of all time and nothing else matters from this point forth uh-huh. <laughs> and likewise with odyssey i think there's still a, num- a number of people saying this is the best mario game of all time uh but there's still an awful lot of people out there who absolutely love uh mario 64 and always will and that will always be the number one yeah uh, i also think there's like a lot of reductive arguments out there like oh, there are all these lazy moons that are just sitting out there for you to get. I don't enjoy yeah. that. I'm like, how, like, it really boggles my mind to be like, how do you even have the thought process of this is a lazy moon to get? Because it literally takes you less than a second to look at it, get it, and move on. Like, how that thought process even becomes a critique in your mind is weird. Like, oh, I wish that moon was hidden under a rock somewhere else. It's a bit... Come on. Yeah, it's, it's some like, moons I, will, some moons won't. And just, yeah, it's... It, it gets a little bit weird uh, when it comes down to that and the, the reductive arguments, which are always going to happen because eventually you need to dig deep. But um, I don't know, just as a package, like the the, the look and, and feel and, and sound and everything of Mario Odyssey is just... it's. I think Ben Pack said in the Giant Bomb Game of the Year discussions, it is one of the most polished video games he's ever seen. And I think I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Like it yeah. is just a sheen all over Mario Odyssey. Maybe too much so maybe to, to to a degree of sterility for some people it's so clean and crisp and he handles so well in his moveset yeah. and and while like the kingdom like while there's some aspects of galaxy that i just think are so spectacular and amazing to look at it's it's ultimately that feel that you have with mario and odyssey that's so precise and like yeah that's where i'm kind of siding is that like i think odyssey handles so much better but there's some worlds and ideas from Galaxy I maybe prefer overall. That's how I'm sort of feeling it. It's it's it's, it's conflicted, and I'm falling into the trap of just like comparing these two great games. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, and it's really difficult. Uh, but maybe taking the best aspects from lots of great games versus let's try and bring down the biggest best games of the year are two different things. And you can totally. maybe try and do the former more than the latter, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. So, our next email is from our good friend of the show, Toby, uh, who's from London in the UK. Hi, MBZ and Bally. Nintendo have had an incredible 2017. They reminded me why I liked video games so much. That feeling of exploration and wonder in Breath of the Wild and just sheer joy in Mario Odyssey. But those incredible games take a long time to get right. And I don't, I don't see anything very exciting coming in 2018. Are we due a few years of safe Nintendo duds now? Where do Nintendo go next? Love the podcast. Well, thanks, Toby, for writing in. It's uh, It has been a bit of all of your presence in one year and then uh, is the tree empty, yep. the next one uh, kind <laughs> yeah. of situation. It's like... Uh, it's a tough place because Nintendo, in creating 2017 for themselves, have now put themselves in a tough position where 
ultimately the two franchises is that they do the best job of building hype with well i guess smash brothers technically but like they're, they're they're two kind of big dogs are now out of the race essentially and those games you know as was mentioned take time like it it's gonna be another four years before we see the next zelda at least um in terms of like the true sequel to breath of the wild um mario odyssey maybe will have a sequel sooner because i think that tokyo team works much faster but there are some gaps that are starting to appear like we had the mini direct and it showed us that there's stuff up until may to some degree it is ports and stuff but there is stuff it's just not it's not what we necessarily want uh, or, or what we need um do you think nintendo are going to have a tough time in a, in the next couple of years because uh, there are things that they have to hit there are bullet points but i don't know how radical or how different and interesting those bullet points are going to be because they really set the bar high already uh by reinventing zelda and then doing a mario game that's not necessarily reinvented but is just exceptional in a lot of ways yeah i can kind of see the idea that 2018 and 2019 are just simply not going to be as hot as 2017 and i mean if i could have had it anyway i probably would have had it like that because surely the switch will having the switch do that much having that, that much more impact at launch could be better down the line and then that library looks thick and and powerful later down the line not necessarily just top-ended which could be good uh i think that it's difficult to expect a game of maybe maybe a game of the scope of odyssey or breath of the wild maybe one per year here out maybe one in 2018 whether that's metroid or maybe something else who knows what's going to be in 2018 but i do feel like they do have uh the capability to pull off something like that perhaps on an annual basis at least for these first few years of the switch life cycle uh, i know that we didn't get that at near the end of the wii u life cycle and that's a, a very different comparison perhaps to make uh but i just don't see I, 2017 was the best year like nintendo's had since i've been into nintendo and i don't see them repeating that anytime in the future to be honest i don't i don't know how they could make that happen it depends also on like what the kind of games you want and what you are excited about coming out of nintendo i've never been a metroid prime person i'm interested in prime 4 i will play it most likely but it's not it's not giving me that like uh, th- those tingles and those like crazy hype and excitement than breath of the wild was doing like there's something special about zelda that builds my excitement like nothing else um and i'm excited about smash brothers but also i feel like from the business perspective and from us looking at the industry and knowing how nintendo works it seems like it's going to be more of a port than anything brand new Uh, and so i am excited because there are lots of games that i will enjoy a lot but it's not going to be the same like build for me as it was before because there was anticipation to those previous games that like i want to know what fire emblem on switch is like i know it's going to be amazing and i'm going to enjoy it most likely but i don't have there's not the feverish kind of um you know anticipation and it almost took the wii u being in the wilderness for like a couple of years in order to produce a year like 2017 it's not like if nintendo was producing great games right up until the end of the wii u's life cycle that 2017 could have even been a possibility it just simply couldn't have uh and like nintendo had a very weak 2015 and 2016 at the end of the wii u's life cycle and I definitely don't think 2018 and 2019 will be anything like as weak as that. And I think we'll still get big, strong games. There's so many big 
titles that we already know about, at least that we don't know the details of, like Pokemon, like Fire Emblem, like Metroid Prime 4. So like, if these games do pull it off and do innovative and new things, but not potentially to the degree of Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, I think they will still do absolute gangbusters with the Switch. And games like Pokemon and Animal Crossing and Smash Brothers and perhaps an original Mario Kart, like there's absolute huge uh business opportunities in terms of switch sales uh and huge fan bases that haven't got a game on switch yet that i think are still to come especially in 2018 and 19 so the specific uh, question that toby asked is like are we due a few years of safe nintendo duds i wouldn't say that we're due any duds because i think nintendo tends to in their like big budget AAA stuff, not produce those. Uh, you know, you have things like the Mario Tennis on Wii U and fucking Animal Crossing board game, which were. Would you define a, a port as a dud? Uh, no, not necessarily. Like I think a port is just a lineup filler. Um, I, I, I would I would define a dud as a critical and commercial failure, um, which right. I just de- generally don't think Nintendo have in their like big lineup most of the time. Um, the Wii U was unique in like a lot of scenarios because Star Fox Zero I would say is a dud. I was sort of the last dud, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, like the major one. Um, I I think that. We're going to get a lot of safe games, for sure. I don't think Game Freak are talented enough to make Pokemon more radical. I really don't. Uh, I don't think the Animal Crossing team wants to stray from the safety of that franchise either. I think that we're going to get games in those franchises that are not duds. They'll be well-made, they'll be excellent games, but they will be safe. Uh, I think that Nintendo likes to keep certain franchises safe, and I I wonder if Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey have maybe changed their mind because they are having new creators coming up. They are having more um, interesting developers being put to the forefront who have not worked on every Zelda game or every Mario game or every, um, you know, Metroid in the past. And that potentially means that they can change and, and be radical. But I'm... I, when I look at a franchise like Pokemon and Animal Crossing, it feels far more entrenched than something like Mario and Zelda. Yeah, and I think Nintendo are feeling that radicalism through something like Nintendo Labo, which we're going to like talk about next uh, right. segment. But like, they, there's there's something about them right now that is very confident and very uh, keen to inspire and keen to do different stuff and innovative stuff. And... Yeah, not afraid to be weird, quite frankly. Right, and yeah. we've not really had that... We've not had uh, the details of Pokemon confirmed. We've not we've not had Animal Crossing confirmed yet. And while those might be very very safe, and I agree, I wouldn't be surprised if they are very safe. You're right. These the success of games like Breath of the Wild and Odyssey could potentially potentially uh, boost the idea that those games can be more radically changed and mix up the formula a bit because they are very not stale. That's an unfair word, I think. But they've they've been very similar formula formulas for a very long time. They're incremental games, you know, like uh, if you look at the first Pokemon and compare it to Sun and Moon, there's vast changes. But over that two decades, one decade, I don't know how old is Pokemon now. Uh, I guess two decades, isn't it? It's 2017. Um, Over those two decades, it has been a crawl to get there. But like you compare them, you're like, oh, wow, there is a big difference here. Animal Crossing less so, uh, honestly. Um, But 
the i don't i don't think nintendo in terms of like pokemon are gonna have too much control like game freak and the pokemon company are, they're kind of an entity to their own like i really don't think there's anything nintendo can really do about them and what they decide on uh mm. but animal crossing potentially could be more radical and different um crazy pokemon spin-offs like De- detective pikachu right oh my god the trailer for detective pikachu came up i'm like this is weird in a way that i like and in a way that i want pokemon games to actually like you look at the production values on detective pikachu and like it looks fucking miles better than the game freak produced pokemon game (laughs) on 3ds i'm like holy shit this game looks so much better uh it's crazy like pokemon creates a fantastic world that and and ideas that you just feel that the mainline games don't always get to the bottom of no. some of the cool stuff that could take place in that universe and yeah they don't a, at all a side it's, project um, like detective pikachu is pretty exciting yeah totally i hope they do more weird things like that um but uh we like weird nintendo uh, especially when they're, they're doing well uh yeah, so, yeah I, th- I think that's all we've got time for in terms of your emails this week uh, but as i said at the top of the segment please send in more emails we always need more uh, our email address is this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com uh catch us in the third segment where we will have a news roundup uh, and there's an awful lot to talk about so don't go anywhere Alright folks, welcome back to the third and final part of today's show, uh, in which a bunch of Nintendo news happened, some of it just out of nowhere, most of, actually all of it out of nowhere I guess, um, with like little to no warning in both cases, uh, but there were two major things that has happened in the past couple of weeks uh, that are definitely worthy of talking about, uh, the first being a Nintendo Direct Mini that was dropped out of nowhere, despite the fact the internet was going crazy about it beforehand, and the second being Nintendo's new Labo initiative. Uh, so we're going to talk about both of these, and we're going to kick it off with the Direct Mini. Bally, the, there was some fervor going on before this Direct Mini even happened. It was insane. It was insane because normally we're given the two-day warning and often directs are on a Thursday. So on Tuesday, it was like everyone just checking that Nintendo of America Twitter account and nothing was coming. And people were freaking out. Uh, Wednesday passed, nothing came. People were freaking out. And then there were a number of rumors on by the Thursday saying, oh, actually, they're going to stealth drop it. And it's not actually going to be a full direct. It's just just going to be a short one so then i think we're given what was it a, a, no it, just, it wasn't even any warning it just came at, uh for me i think it was at about 6 p.m my time uh 
And it just dropped a good 15 minutes of announcements out of nowhere. Yeah. So the thing I'll say is that Nintendo were stirring the pot somewhat. Um, they had two images, one from the official Nintendo account, which was just Chibi Robo on fire. And then there was like a me in a hot dog costume that Nintendo NYC tweeted out. So a lot of uh, Nintendo trying to get out there. And, and there was the, the talk or two from Mario Odyssey saying right. something like, come and find me. Like I have a secret. What, I have and a secret. Know where and everyone's like, what does this mean? And... And they retweeted that tweet, like, when people were going crazy. Um, the Reset Era thread was at, like, 600 fucking pages. It was just bedlam. It was absolute ridiculous insanity. For, honestly, kind of a, you know, a sober direct. It wasn't, like, anything crazy. A lot of ports going on. Right. Um, but some interesting stuff, too. And I think it's definitely worthwhile uh, to discuss as interesting uh, announcements here. But it's weird because this does fall in line with what nintendo has done before with mini directs which is just upload them to youtube one day randomly um and that's what's happened i think the problem is that everyone hyped themselves up like this is our fault this isn't nintendo's fault it's the internet's fault for going crazy way more people than they maybe anticipated are on their switch currently and they are all eager for some games in 2018 after an amazing 2017 and we're at the start of the year the hype train is just insane and we were just saying like compared to the wii u days while there were still hype trains for stuff like e3 and direct announcements it didn't feel anything like as powerful online i I think that's just simply because not many people owned a wii u exactly like there is just a critical mass of switch fans out there that want more so uh, it makes sense that people are just breaking and, and going crazy so uh in any case the the direct happened uh, let's go through some of the announcements uh it kicked off with the world ends with you remixed uh for nintendo switch uh the world ends with you uh square enix very weird ds rpg that came out around 2008 it's about a decade old at this point uh, i remember listening to uh when i first started listening to podcasts uh, rfn's retroactive they were doing at the time was the world end with you um and uh, it's a game i've always been somewhat curious about because it used the touch screen and the top screen in terms of a battling at the same time um and i wondered how they would transport that but they already put it on ios uh, and made it adaptable somewhat uh, so i guess the switch version is kind of based on that ios one and, and some changes added but um really crazy because this is like a cult classic it's one of those games where if the people who have played this game count it among like their favorite games ever um so yeah curious i don't know if you have any interest in this whatsoever bali but um, it's, a, it's do, a stylish game i do vaguely remember those rfn episodes uh from yonks back when you it was sort of around the time when you were like oh bali i've gotten into this podcast you said try it out and this was before mm-hmm. we were even into podcasts it's how we right. start with rfn i guess so i am intrigued to some degree um it depends on the year depends how everything works out if i've got the time and energy to play this yeah for sure it's it's probably one of those ones that i'll pick up later down the line when it goes down in price uh but uh in any case it's great that those fans are getting something more from that series um because i don't know i think it it didn't do well commercially so i just assumed that it wouldn't be coming back but hey uh, next up, Pokémon Tournament DX is getting some new fighters. They just keep going down the well of like, what's the weirdest Pokémon we could use? And Aegislash is the next one up. So you're, you're fighting as a sentient sword this time. Uh, Why not? Which is sure, that's fair enough. Um, still not super interested. Did this game sell well, Pokémon on Switch? I don't know. I think it's probably done okay. The, the thing that's weird about Pokémon Tournament is it seems like it should sell billions because it's a Pokémon fighting game. But for whatever reason, I. It's not it's not, not only that. do I not feel like yeah. very attracted to it, but it's just a weird mishmash of two D and three D, like you like switch between the two yeah. and it's just 
It's a little strange. We tried the demo on Wii U and it wasn't to either of our tastes, I think. Not that we're no, into fighting games no. at all, really, but there you yeah, go. Yeah, and, you know, there's <clears throat> it, it's okay. It's I think people are enjoying it on Switch, nonetheless. Um, but I, I don't believe, even in the fighting game scene, it's, it's that big a deal. Uh, then we have Kirby Star Allies, which I believe got a release date, um, which I don't actually have to hand right now, but I think it's coming out sometime in March, uh, which makes sense. Like, it seems like uh, March 16th, actually, is what it, it says. Uh, so that game looks like a Kirby game, still continues yeah. to look like a Kirby It seems that people are saying, like, he has the ability to do double copy abilities again, so it's kind of calling back to Kirby 64, right. which I know you played. Yeah, um, I mean, that was fun at the time. Uh, that was a good Kirby game that I played, but this game just feels so uninspiring, and compared to the two 3DS games, that I, I mean, we've both missed both of, both of those games, but I think both of us are agreed that those games do look interesting, and we'd like to try them at some point. Uh, and this game, for me at least, just doesn't ooze anything that's vaguely new or interesting or it feels like a very run-of-the-mill uh, Kirby by numbers perhaps yeah and you need those because they still sell well and, and people like yeah. them but Kirby is so consistent on Nintendo yes yeah. yeah for sure uh, nothing if not consistent uh, we then have the game that will be released on uh, a fridge in the near future uh, because it's on every fucking <laughs> thing else this game just die <laughs> is Hyrule Warriors back again on the Switch seems like the ultimate complete version with every DLC everything from the 3DS and Wii U smushed together Um, the ultimate package if you want hundreds of hours of mindlessly killing Bokoblins uh, it's it's all there for you Uh, next one's an interesting announcement is a new Mario Tennis game which when it first came up I'm like oh god are they just porting the Wii U one again because people did not like that Wii U game it was pretty bad Game, game explain Game Explained did an analysis of this trailer and the stadiums in the trailer featured are identical to the Wii U version. Uh, there's I'm even not surprised. Ar- there's even artwork uh, taken straight out of Mario Party 6 from the GameCube. What? Uh, yes, on um, on the, the one of the billboards inside uh, the stadium. Uh, okay. I saw this kind of strange deep dive Game Explained like to do. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of reused content in there. But like you said, with the extra story mode, this game could have a lot more going for it. I, it's good that you said could have because I think we're both a little wary when yeah. they say story mode. Now, they do bring up the Sacred Cow, which is Mario Power Tennis or whatever it's called on GBA. I can't remember the actual name. Um, you played that one, right? No, the, I didn't play the GBA one. I played the Game, Game, Game Color Boy Color one. Okay, Game Boy uh, Color which one. Which was also um, RPG-focused uh, in that yes. story mode, which was great. So they, they bring that up as like, hey, we're bringing back the story mode, but they don't mention the word RPG anywhere. And yeah. from what it looks like, from what I can tell... It's a list my, of levels. It, it looks like uh, an overworld map, a glorified menu that leads to missions and boss battles. It does not seem like a progression. And especially because you're playing as Mario, you're not playing as a, you know, create a character type thing like you did back yeah. in the day. Uh, it does not seem... I think a lot of people are going to be tricked by this and get mad. I think a lot of people are going to buy this game and be like, where's my RPG mode? And like, they never promised that. They said it's a story mode. It's it, So be wary. Please be wary because I don't want people to get disappointed when this thing comes yeah. out and is not what they thought it was going to be let's just hope uh, that if a, a mario golf comes to switch which i'm sure it will at some point that they could maybe just maybe do something with that game 
Yeah, the problem I find is that it seems like they would have to put in so many more resources these days to make, you know, a big, expansive 3D game with an RPG mode. Yeah, it kind of suits itself more to that handheld-style game, like a golf story. like Right, a, and like... that's why the indie games can come out and do what those games did in the past, because they have the scope and uh, ability to do it on a 2D uh, perspective as opposed to, you know, the big old mm. AAA kind of... Not AAA, but like, you know, Nintendo have polish on their new games and they i don't think they have enough resources to put in the depth there unfortunately right um so in any case i'm looking at it curiously from a distance i i may be interested uh next up we have ease 8 lacrimosa of dana uh the e series is one that i've heard lots of about the years and um on the switch it seems like the kind of rpg that i might be interested in because it's one of those things that like i I can passively play and you know grind and stuff like that so maybe it's not super interesting to me but i guess uh, those fans will be happy then there's free dlc for mario odyssey uh luigi pops up bally and for a hot second i'm thinking oh here we go galaxy again play all through as luigi uh not quite the case uh what do you you think of this balloon hiding and finding uh, was it was it giant beast cast i think they were like joking that they they'd split this into two modes hide and seek one for hide and one for seek where you basically Uh hide balloons (laughs) and then you go out and seek them uh two whole modes two full modes exactly it's it's a neat idea i i have I don't think it's fair to be overly critical on something that's free. So, I mean, it'll be interesting. And I think it's a nice way of rewarding those players who have experienced the worlds a lot more in depth uh, as right. kingdoms uh, and if you've gone and got all the star, star moons like we have uh it, there's definitely a few nooks and crannies that i know that could be fun uh to play online with you mbz and hide them hide them balloons it feels like the sort of thing where i'll come back to it for half an hour and try it and then never think about it again and put it down i'll be like oh that was a nice afternoon of online multiplayer and finding out you know going back to those kingdoms but i I think i think there is still the paid dlc kingdom stuff to come potentially this is definitely no idea that uh for sure i think that like it seems it's linked to your friends list so you can go through and see what your friends have hidden and go after theirs so it seems like it's easily locked uh to to let you you know discover and and find and, and do all that stuff so that seems neat uh, then we had a new fighting game from SNK, which is SNK Heroines, uh, which is all these female fighters from old SNK games that there have been a ton of releasing uh, on the eShop because of the Neo Geo classics. Um, so if you're into those, uh, that's for you, not for me. Um, Mario Plus Rabbids getting the new character and new world, which is part of the DLC drop. Uh, it's Donkey Kong. Uh, it looks like he has a boomerang banana going on in the trailer which is pretty rad um i really liked mario plus rabbits i don't know if i'm going to go back for this dlc or not maybe when it comes down in price later down the line um but hey that's cool that they're doing great support for this game and like really meaningful stuff it seems like they're putting a lot of love and care as they did the original game into the dlc so uh, i'm happy to see that uh we have payday 2 coming to switch which had already been announced but it looks like there's a new character and some other stuff not for me again uh, uh and then we had two indie games that got the spotlight Faye and celeste uh both look pretty curious have you got any interest in either of these Bally? uh there's still like 
a, a wealth of Switch indie games that I do need to go back to. Stuff like... Uh, and you're getting to them right now with Meat Boy. And, yeah, and Meat Boy, VVVV, definitely. Those are a couple. Uh, Severed is another one. Um, yes, for sure. Axiom Verge, that's my game I'm trying to say. I need to go back to that. So like, there's mm-hmm. still a lot on my plate in terms of like indie games I need to go back to. Uh, I'd be in- interested to see what you say on th- these games. MZ might might try them after that. Yeah, I uh, I think I'll probably pick up Celeste. Uh, I have reached out for review code, so we'll see if that happens or not. But uh, otherwise, I think it's it's one of those games that I've been curious enough in. Uh, it's my type of genre, uh, so I I'll uh, I'll take a look uh, for sure. At, at both of those games potentially. Um, then Bally, uh, my highlight you know, of the direct, you, <laughs> a game that you uh, won't shut up about and now i am i'm pretty uh you know i'm i'm, I'm your cheerleader behind the scenes uh, as it were now for this <laughs> game uh it's donkey Kong country tropical freeze with a funky mode funky, funky kong mode. coming in oh the uh, memes that went on with funky mode after this announcement I know, which it was is really great. good like rfn <laughs> did the whole like rfn now with <laughs> you added funky mode. yep yep <sighs> uh it's it's great i think if anyone one of the gripes that a few people have with donkey kong tropical freeze is that it's too hard so if you want to add funky mode and funky kong sort of like a he's got his surfboard i think it is and you can kind of glide almost like hover a bit more on and have this crazy long jump uh he's got really powered up swim moves where he can constantly uh speed boost underwater so like he is and he can't be hurt by spikes uh, exactly so like he's he's a way of breezing through the game a bit more easily if that's your your cup of tea or if you want to kind of resort to him after trying the level on um uh with with dk i guess uh it's a really smart thing in my opinion really because it it takes the idea of like a lot of so in wolfenstein and wolfenstein 2 when you click on easy mode there's a picture of bj blaskowitz with a baby uh, dummy in his mouth and like a (laughs) bonnet on his head as if to say like you fucking baby for playing on this mode uh and i think games can do that sometimes it is kind of jokey in wolfenstein but also i think games can make the player feel bad for playing on easy Mm. whereas in this game they're like hey this is the coolest character do you want to be the coolest character he's so cool that he can't be hurt you know like it's a really smart proposition to to make the person who feels like they want to play on an easier difficulty not feel bad for doing so um and that's just very clever uh, from their perspective nintendo have always been good at like ushering people in um and uh, frankly tropical freeze if you're not into platformers is going to punish you very very hardly uh and and a lot of people were turned off by it because of that um so i think that it, it's great that they have this in here and he also serves a function as like a speed running character like he, he seems like the character that would be able to go through the game the fastest if you got great um uh, control over him so right. that seems like it could be great for that community as well it's just all around such a smart addition and like um i'm i'm definitely prepared to buy it again on this game uh, i'm actually going to try and get a hard copy because caroline's thinking about getting a switch in the next few months so if i get a hard copy she could maybe like borrow it after me and, and that sort of thing so i'm yeah intrigued by this it's so great that more people are going to be able to play this game and like nintendo even said uh during the direct i think they said like the critically acclaimed like donkey kong yeah country. i was like oh that's a nice phrase to say it's so funny game. like the turnaround of this because you you go into the e3 threads for nintendo when this was revealed and people were f- so mad because retro right. were not making metroid they were working on another donkey kong people were incredibly angry and in the years since like it's been this turnaround completely where this is now reviewed and looked back on as such a cult hit such a like it will be remembered 
remembered as one of the best platformers ever made people are there's such a different perspective coming to it this time and you look at the reactions now to this coming to switch and people are overjoyed they're like oh my god this is one of the best games ever so many more people are going to get to experience it it's so funny how like time and place can change uh, uh, the perspective on a game um yeah so, it's, that's great. it's great uh, and it fits one of my predictions nicely from uh, the oh, other episodes <laughs> we'll see very good uh, the final announcement was kind of revealed a bit early, leaked a bit early, um, and also ties into the burning Chibi Robo, uh, which uh, is in the pose of one of the characters from this game. That is Dark Souls Remastered is heading to the Nintendo Switch. And um, it's coming to Switch alongside all the other systems, right? It is, yes. Uh, I Again, I don't think this meets your prediction because it's a remastered game, Bally. Uh, that's the thing that I would hold against it is, you know, that when a, when a brand new game comes out at the same time on all these systems, then, Fair enough. then you may get the point. But Fair enough. Uh, remastered ones do not count uh, for me. But it's still amazing that this is happening because it means that a lot of Nintendo fans will get to experience a game which i think a lot of people cite as similar to classic zelda games like the original legend of zelda and zelda 2 and all this stuff dark souls kind of carries on in a much darker grittier world with you know incredibly punishing difficulty and also a, a lengthy satisfying learning curve and it's also it's been one of those games and one of those series that i've stayed clear of because it has a very, very horror dark aesthetic and i just don't like being in those worlds you know i've talked a lot in the past of how i feel comfortable in some worlds and very uncomfortable in others and how that uh, changes what i like to play and whatnot you're gonna play metro prime at some point come on it's, it's just gonna happen when it comes to the switch portably and here's the thing this is why i actually consider playing dark souls now is there is something about a smaller portable console that is less immersive and as such is a much better proposition for me right because if you have this big tv screen and you're like that's the main focus and it's all on there it's intimidating and large and scary it does something to my brain where i don't feel comfortable but if it's in a portable handheld where i'm the one in control i have this tiny screen in front of me i know what's going on i can not have it like super plugged in and me not be like i I know people like being immersed in the world of souls but for me that's the thing that kind of makes me steer clear of it if i have that detachment from it playing it portably i feel like i can actually get into these games and like feel like i'm enjoying them so that may be the way i play this despite the fact that it's an inferior version in every way it'll look worse it'll run poorly uh not poorly but like it'll be 30 as opposed to 60 which for me you know doesn't make sense but like there are these some things like these elements of horror and scariness that will mean i would rather take the inferior version because of the portability um so yeah i i don't know how you feel about eventually trying this game as well bally Again, it depends on what else comes out this year and where I have sort of gaps and lulls and what I plan on playing and mixing it up with trying to fit in backlog games and trying to beat that. So I I, I would be interested in this game. It is, it is a genre that I've really not tried at all. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be good for me to try a game like Dark Souls. Um, and certainly with this remastered edition on switch like it's a it's a great opportunity as you said i i i'm, I'm in love with the, the the idea of the switch and like playing handheld and on a home console it's a great concept and it just makes games like dark souls far more appealing i agree with you in my mind to play and, and pick up yeah uh so that was pretty much it uh some interesting things that overall ballet how do you feel about this mini direct uh did it did it give you anything uh to hang on to or was it just like yeah that's cool pretty good i i i think it's highly likely there'll be another direct before e3 um and i think ultimately 
Nintendo may be saving the big stuff for E3. I think people need to to calm down about the Metroids and the Animal Crossings, perhaps the Pokemons. That like if they're coming, they're coming at E3. It's not going to happen now. And for Direct Mini ports are solid like i think a game like tropical freeze is very good dark souls is great uh, and the new stuff like mario tennis although we're feeling a bit funny about that story mode like that's an interesting new game so like it it, it was overall like i'd maybe give it like a six out of ten a five out of ten like decent it's good it's fine uh it's what i'd expect at this time of year uh from a direct mini yeah it's you know a lot of people are going to be mad because they hyped it up too much for themselves but you know, with expectations tempered, I think it was all around pretty good. Uh, there's, probably, definitely... there's probably a lot of people who own a Switch who didn't own a Wii U, and this is their first time getting back into the swing of things with stuff like Nintendo Directs, and maybe their expectations of what a Direct is and what Mini Directs sure. can provide are maybe a bit warped compared to the, the hardened uh, Wii U owners like ourselves. Right, like we're just set up for disappointment most times. Most so, of the time, uh, yeah. When we get anything, it's it's just a bone. Uh yeah, so, so there you go, that's the Mini Direct. But that is not where Nintendo stopped with their news train, because it continued onwards, ever forward, into uh, the hype of, of Eternity. We got a new announcement that was preempted this time. They did make a, a little uh, heads up, and they're like, I think hey. A 12 hour notice? Something like that, like less than a day. They're like, hey, we're going to show something. It's for kids and for kids at heart. So they already prepped people to be like, let's not overhype ourselves. Like, this is probably not a thing for us nintendo fans of of like all the main stuff um and they announced a thing called nintendo labo which is how do you even fucking explain nintendo labo it's cardboard creations that utilize the switch in games where these cardboard creations are a part of them so like a mini cardboard piano where you are playing the piano and it detects you hitting the note and there will be stuff on the screen of the switch which slots into it or a fishing rod where you are trying to fish uh with the cardboard fishing rod and there's also there's also instructions on the switch that help you build these creations so it's it's I mean, my expectations when the announcement, like the 12-hour warning announcement was made, I, were very, very low. I I was, yeah. I think your guess was some random peripheral, and I think you yeah. were pretty on the nose there, he said, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, I, I was guessing uh, it could be an amiibo, it could be like an update to the parental app or something as boring. Okay, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I was just prepared for something incredibly boring. Right. And this was anything but boring. Uh, I was... It's insane. Like, I was telling you earlier, but when I first was watching the trailer, I'm like, okay, like, this is artsy and weird, but they're not going to sell this, right? This seems way too fucking complicated. Like, the fish... As soon as the fishing pole got pulled out, I'm like the fuck how how does that even work like what (laughs) like it looks like an art project as opposed to something practical that like you can actually buy and make yourself and yet all these crazy contraptions the robot most of all are actually real and they're selling them and you can make them i was i was gobsmacked at that fact honestly that's the thing that blew me away right they're more than just decoration they're actually functional and operate and i i thought that when you actually when you when you just watch the trailer through one time you're like oh that's fun you dress up as a robot and you play this robot game it's like no 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 it's more than just dressing up as a robot like there are five inputs going into the switch one from your head and four going into one joy con on your back and the actual way that 
You essentially have strings connecting your arms and strings connecting your legs. Uh, those strings pull levers that are inside your backpack. Uh, and they and have then... like, these white spots on them, which the IR sensor can detect. Exactly. So it's then there's an IR sensor in the red Joy-Con on your pack reading the movements of these four strings. Uh, and that is just insane. Like that technology. It's engineering like craziness. It's fucking insanity. Uh, um, it's really, really impressive and fascinating. Uh, the same with the piano. It's an IR sensor reading uh spots on the each of the keys uh and dialing that back into the switch and playing a note like that's just insane uh and i think that what i think is really cool because i was a huge lego fan growing up absolutely huge uh and the biggest downside of lego i always felt was that i really really enjoyed the building getting the instructions out getting a massive box pouring all the bits on the floor spending hours just building these crazy uh buildings and vehicles and other things but then i wouldn't really play with the lego much once it was built i might might envisage like a few scenarios and have some fun there but the process of building was so much more fun than the process of playing with and i feel like labo gets around that in a big way where you're not just building you're also actually playing a game on your switch using the creations you're making and i think that's a huge appeal uh for for a lot of people in that sort of lego mold who enjoy building but not necessarily always enjoy the playing of lego right so like the fun is in the building but also there is fun at the end of the rainbow too there's equal amounts of fun at both ends not weighted purely towards the creation yeah Uh, well yeah well maybe we'll see i I don't know that i could like say that in full confidence that there (laughs) will be an equal amount of fun at the end of the rainbow because we don't actually know how deep these games go so so there are two packs they're selling there's the variety pack which has five different um cardboard contraptions Uh, and then there's the robot which is like the one robot machine with the backpack which is actually more than the multi-kit it costs more yeah uh which honestly i think that makes sense because that thing looked complicated as fuck like, it did, absolutely yeah. insane um so it's like 70 dollars 80 dollars for the yeah. each one uh, and then 60 quid 70 quid i think in the uk uh it's a lot of money uh, a lot of people obviously on twitter being snarky oh, 70 quid for cardboard eh? yeah fucking <laughs> which you know i get that and i also kind of agree with it it's like it's kind of a high price like i would like it to be closer to the 40 pound like if it was 40 quid it's the sort of thing that i would impulse buy you know i would get it because it looks interesting and cool yeah it's like the same price as another game or it's yeah. slightly cheaper and you're getting at, at 70 quid it's much harder for me to go okay i'm i'm in because i don't know i just don't know at the end like i'll have fun creating it i'll maybe enjoy the game but i don't know what the depth is there but part of you is intrigued isn't it that's the thing like part of you is like mm. yeah there is because it is it is this quirky weird nintendo that quite honestly in a lot of aspects of switch we've been missing and t- to their benefit probably because you know uh, i was talking on twitter a little bit earlier about you know people wanting personality back in nintendo's os's and their menus and i was like yes i strongly agree with this but also if they did that they'd lose the speed and this versatility and, and all of that slickness that came with the switch so it's nice to see them being strange again um and i 
although the price for me is a little bit absurd, I actually think they are making a smart play and pricing themselves into the Toys R Us. Well, isn't Toys R Us dead? I guess Toys R Us went under. The online it? toy um, market. The online toy market, the retail toy market, as much as it still exists, uh, alongside the Lego. Because, like, Lego is a fucking expensive hobby. Yeah. Like, it is so absurdly expensive to buy that Millennium Falcon Star Wars thing. Uh, it's just ridiculous when you look at it and you go into those shops like, holy shit, but did my parents spent this much on all this fucking Lego. Like, it's when you step back, you're like, Jesus, that's a yeah. lot of money. Um, and and so they're probably trying to be on that shelf, like right next to it, trying to compete, uh, which makes sense to hike the price up uh, to that much. Um, so yeah, it's. I'm intrigued. It is definitely a wait and see for me. It is like what what are impressions so far? I read a few pieces like from the Verge and the Guardian and all these places, and people are very impressed by how clever it is. You know how easy it is to set up uh, and how the technology just works. And calling it technology is even weird because it's pieces of cardboard for God's sake. But yeah. the, when you when people are mentioning that the keys on the piano have little strips on the back of them that when they ping up will go into line with the ir sensor and know which note is being played and then that will seamlessly transition onto the switch screen and play the note in real time at the same time it's kind of mind-blowing what they've done here it is incredibly ingenious and smart it's a wireless keyboard made out of cardboard it's like right like how did they do that (laughs) it's fucking crazy like i'm so blown away by the the ingenuity of it my question is like aside from that kids market can they expand on this i think reggie in an interview was saying like look we have the ability to go out there and make things that are more tailored towards our core audience our our more mature audience um and i would be interested to see what they do down the line there but uh i i am what a weird thing i am completely on board with the idea in principle uh i initially sided a lot more with wanting to pick up the multi-pack uh with all the different contraptions i thought it felt like it was better value but then when you actually think about it um there's not a whole lot of game in there uh there might be something that we know of that we know of as as we said like we don't actually know how deep it goes like if the piano has a bunch of mini games or if it's just a piano right like there's i don't know what the software in terms of its depth is like yeah and um, likewise we don't know the, the depth of the game with the robot and right, what exactly. that could entail and but when i started thinking about it i thought the robot looks a lot more fun actually when you think about it and then i've mm-hmm. been thinking a lot more about what if my arms are too long for the the strings on this <laughs> on this robot this contraption like i was like i'll be so bummed if i'm just too big for this thing and then i thought oh come on they'll, they'll probably have two sets of strings or at right. least the strings will be long enough for for adults. it looks like you you can like wrap the strings around on the feet anyway like that contraption right. looks like he was ra- wrapping a lot of string around it to, to make yeah. it the right length so um, i i'm definitely siding with the robot more i i would like to see more of that game and to know that it is it is more of a game uh, and i'd love to see some reviews and i do wonder if it is actually more fully featured because a lot of people pointing out that this looks like what has risen from the ashes of project giant robot which miyamoto was showing off at e3 it absolutely is the actual design of the robot i don't know if you've seen screen comparisons is identical it literally oh, really? is it literally the design of the robot and what's fascinating is 
those four strings we were talking about that link on the back with the four slots uh those were shown on the wii u version that miyamoto was playing so they managed to fit their contraption into the existing framework of what that robot looked like which is bizarre uh and makes you wonder how long this has been in the pipeline maybe or if they managed to just fit it uh retroactively so yeah i'm i'm fascinated to see what people think of that uh of how that works and like i'd be fascinated if if imagine if the robot works really well and lots of people buy it and then they bring out other games that work with that robot suit like who knows sure this could could go next um they also have the ability to leverage their own ip like i've been hearing people talk about what if you had luigi's vacuum from luigi's mansion and they had a luigi's mansion game where you used it like something like that exactly and i think we have just seen the tip of the iceberg of some of the ideas they've got lined up for this stuff like they wouldn't i mean even in the trailer there's a bunch of weird shit like that bird and the shotgun and the camera like there's a lot of stuff they show in the trailer that just isn't available to buy in right. either of these packs and they've officially removed the wii u tab on the, the nintendo website for lab r.i.p wii u right exactly r.i.p wii u so if it if it's replaced the tab of its former home console on the website it must have more than a few months worth of releases like this is something that for sure go on for quite some time and obviously that depends on the success of this thing and my hunch is that this is going to sell really well. I think the price point yeah. is a tricky point and the durability of the cardboard is also an important issue. Although some of the review sort of people who have experienced it bef- have had hands on with it have said the quality of the cardboard is actually very good, even though it's still cardboard. Right. It looks thick. It looks like a solid piece of cardboard, even if it is cardboard. It's, the The worry is like kids with drinks or kids who fall just over stomp around the, yeah. or fall over or stomp around like there's definite possibility for this to crumple and break and, and <laughs> oh, I was just, be destroyed i was just playing the robot game and i just sat down on the back of a couch and smashed my my jetpack right <laughs> like it, yeah it is concerning uh and that's something that where like i don't have kids and this would just be for me to use so i know that i would be able to look after it better than perhaps a five-year-old yeah uh, but yeah and I, I admit if if there was a five-year-old at my house i'd feel very uneasy about them using my lab I, I mean you would want to be there the whole time right. while it was you know play with them you know make sure, sure they're not on their own when they're doing it um so yeah as as opposed to video games which parents often use to like let their kids just sit there and they don't have to deal with them this right. seems like a much more hands-on affair like you have to if you don't want it being broken don't or whatever. leave my sight um, uh yeah and another concern that was brought up a lot in our discord is what about the switch itself this is a 300 dollar piece of technology that is kind of fragile like it doesn't have a glass screen but it is like breakable if it falls um right it's a worry for sure i think actually when i looked at all the games on offer it didn't really seem like there was any of them where you'd be in a position where you're lifting the screen off the ground and potentially dropping it because like yeah, the house exactly. is on the ground they're sort of um, the, the the motorbike controls but you don't they're not up in the air they're like no. in front of you on a table or something so like right, exactly. you're right there's nothing a lot of people thought that the the robot like the switch was like vr attached to your face it's like no right. that would be a horrible idea and yes I, if nintendo do vr at some point it's not going to be like that so i think that um 
you, the Joy-Cons are getting chucked all over the shop. I don't right. think that's... But we know that they're sort of $80. They are the key piece of technology, though, in, in the Switch, True. honestly. When it comes to weirdness and strange things, they've just packed those Joy-Cons with so many unique possibilities that they're able to leverage this ir sensor uh, and do something meaningful with it you know and and have the motion be at such a high fidelity that it can track your head motion in the robot game it's uh it's smart that they've thought about that uh, we also were talking about how like the the robot in uh the the kit looks like the xenoblade one because it goes into a scale almost when it's racing it, around you see it transform into a car very briefly it, it feels and, like this weird yeah. amalgamation between project giant robot and xenoblade chronicles x like the two right. kind of robot things nintendo have done in the uh, past years oh um, i am fascinated by that game i am very interested uh yeah i i, I yeah. think that overall if you already own a switch this looks like a lot of fun, even though it is a lot of money. I think that the idea of from maybe a family who don't own a Switch or anything going into this idea and knowing that you have to buy a Switch and Labo with it, right. might that is now very steep. You're talking four or five hundred dollars. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that is an awful lot of money, but I think... For- I do think they're going to bundle them together eventually. That's the thing that I feel is going to be the Christmas hot item is a Nintendo Switch yeah. Labo bundle for $300. Like, right. they're going to get the price down while including a Labo in it to, to shift a lot and of you, units. And do you think Labo will be hot? Do you think this is going to this is gonna sell well? I mean, the buzz we've seen so far, like, it seems like if you have kids, you're incredibly excited for this. You know, all, yeah. the, all the video game Twitter parents that I've seen have been just off the moon for it. Uh, and again, like, it's for them. That's the target audience. That's mm. who they are shooting for right now is the Switch-owning parent who has a kid. Uh, and, and that audience is growing. Like, it's not enormous, but it is getting bigger. Um, and it, this can also reach out to a bunch of other audiences. Like, there are going to be hardcore enough Switch fans who just want it because it's a Switch thing. Uh, there are going to be kids who ask their parents for it because they see the advertisement on Disney and want it. Um, it's definitely going to have a ripple effect like the Switch itself did. I think it's going to be successful. And you are going to hear stories about kids being idiots and breaking it and having issues and the Switch is breaking. But those will always happen no matter what the technology is. Like, the Wii yeah. with the same thing with the Wii Remote. You fucking threw a Wii Remote at a window, Bally. Like, we I have first-hand experience. Uh, so, you know, that's just going to be a thing no matter what you do. Um, and I, I am very curious to see how this thing sells. My only issue is price. And I think if they had put this as a 40 to $50 thing as opposed to a 70 $80 thing it would be doing gangbusters uh that's the one like barrier to entry more than anything i think yeah uh, i'm it's gonna be a fascinating year and i'm intrigued when this comes out april 20th uh which is like a bit some big weed smoking day or something in the u.s right 420 420 yeah 420 so yeah it's uh i don't know if you i don't know anything about 420 basically bali the time when people get home from school and that's when they fire up their weed is at 20 minutes past four in the afternoon because you know you leave school around whenever and you get home 20 right. minutes later so 4 20 is when people smoke weed so that's why um i got it's, you it's it's an internet thing it's been taken out of proportion because it's the internet and memes and all that stuff but anyway uh enough about that uh <laughs> i'm pretty sure that we've covered most anything else you want to say about labo before we uh, close out here bali just that it's so refreshing for nintendo to be creative and have the confidence to be so creative uh, and i wish them like the best of luck with it because it's a great idea 
yeah uh, i'm very curious to see how this thing does uh i did th- honestly the thing i'm most interested in is the giant bomb quick look for labo oh my god i'm so pumped <laughs> that's so the pumped. thing i want to see i just want to see jeff grashman walking around that robot outfit <laughs> yeah absolutely 100 percent uh our dreams will be fulfilled uh so yes uh that's gonna be it that's gonna be the show for today thanks everyone for listening for tuning in um we have a lot of things uh going on right now uh of course uh we need to thank our, our tnl ambassadors uh our patreon supporters of bali our two tnl ambassadors are atari alex and of course my girlfriend caroline uh thank you so much for your support that is of course ten dollar tier on patreon absolutely you go to patreon.com slash this nintendo life where you can get bonus episodes uh we have a star wars episode up about our history with star wars we have our tnl ranks first episode and second episode will be going up in february um so uh whenever you sign up for patreon if you do the two or five dollar tier you will get access to the the backlog of old episodes uh, if you want all the bonus episodes uh then they're there for your perusal uh, so if you would like to support us that is the best way to do so um you can find us also on our discord where we're having a lot of conversations uh fun chats over there it's been popping off uh some some good stuff uh and there's lots of discussion uh that can be had about our next backlog club game which we're getting deeper into me and bali are playing a lot of final fantasy 6 um and yeah uh that's going to be happening soon uh we don't have a date we right can now probably but... give a date next episode let's say I think, I think we can probably do that yeah, you're pretty deep in. I'm getting close to getting more deep in. And, uh, you're not that far away from me. You're not that far. I've yeah, just played yeah. so, way too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're going to enjoy discussing uh, Final Fantasy VI, but you can discuss that on our Discord, uh, and uh, it's it's been a fun time doing that over there. Uh, you can find our Discord by going to Twitter. Where can you find our Twitter account, Bally? Follow our Twitter at TNL Podcast. That's at TNL Podcast. It's the best place to go to jump into our discord server uh it's got links to our youtube channel it's got our email address which of course is this nintendo life at gmail.com uh, and it's also the best place to go to find out uh, when all the latest episodes and everything of that sort comes out absolutely uh where can people find you on twitter Bally? please find me at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n 9-1. Uh, I don't think that the next few weeks might be as hype-driven as as that sort of direct mini was, perhaps. But uh, you never know. There might be another February direct and stuff to come. Maybe, maybe. Uh, you can find me at LordNBZ on the Twitter. Um, and you can find the show in various places. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on every place good podcatchers are sold. I keep doing that. Podcast. Why? <laughs> There's something about like those sentences and the way it rolls out of my tongue. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you can find us like on Pocket Cast and all all that nonsense. We're we're anywhere that you can download podcasts for the most part, apart from Spotify. Spotify are dicks, um, and Google Play is still not in our country apparently. Uh, so yeah, just go there, do that. Review us on iTunes. We've been it's been a while since we had a review on iTunes. Those are really helpful. So if you'd like to review us, that would be uh, most appreciated. Uh, really helps us out. Um, and yeah, I think that pretty much closes out for this episode, Bali. Um, Anything else that we need to say before we get on out of here? Labo. What? I <laughs> just, I just find the word labo so funny. Oh, labo. Okay. Yeah. It was just labo, like, labo. I don't labo. know. I think people have been having trouble saying it or what it even means. But uh, yes, a merry labo to you uh, and all yours. Uh, and we will see you in a couple of weeks' time with another episode of this Nintendo Life. Goodbye, everyone.
The musical interludes used on today's episode were Pushing Onwards from VVVVVV, copyright Terry Cavanaugh 2010, and Forest Funk from Super Meat Boy, copyright Team Meat 2010. So Caroline sort of knew that we used to be called Now You're Playing With Power, but she got it kind of confused in her head. Uh-huh. And, and like she knew it was a uh, a marketing thing from like the 80s with Nintendo and all that. It was mm-hmm. the 90s? It's 90s. Like, I didn't, whatever, whenever it whenever was. Whenever it was. Um, so for some reason, she thought it was actually, now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> what? That makes literally no sense. <laughs> okay. So for some reason, she thought this whole time that Nintendo's like logo... Not logo, sorry. Uh, slogan. Slogan, the word I'm looking for, was now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's not now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> like, it it's might so been, good, though. Now playing with power might be a play on words on now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> Probably. That's so good, though. Oh, my God. I wish it was that. I wish our podcast was called now you're cooking with gas. <laughs> We should start up a side podcast and call it that instead. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's really good.